Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and this is a bookin brought to you by Explore Booksellers, Aspen, Colorado's trusted community bookstore. Wherever you are in the world, it is always good to explore. My guest today is Brooke Lockyer. She is a winner of the Heart House Literary Contest and co-recipient of both the Peter S. Prescott and Lenore Marshall Bernard Prizes for Prose. Her new novel is Burr, which is published by our friends at Nightwood Editions. Brooke, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. I'm really, really excited to talk with you. Yeah, it's an honor to have you here, Brooke. And before uh, we dive into your excellent novel, Burr, I want to ask about your publisher, Nightwood Editions. Can you tell us who they are and what it has been like working with them? Sure. Um, Nightwood is an independent publisher um, out of British Columbia in Canada, and um, they yeah, have been around for a while making really beautiful books um and they have yeah probably about maybe 10 to 12 books a year that they bring out mm-hmm. um they have a strong focus on indigenous literature as well and poetry um and uh, yeah I was so excited to be with them they've been amazing mm-hmm. um it's a really small team uh there's like two people but they have the promotion is done by uh harbor which is a larger mm-hmm. a larger organization that they're associated with so yeah it's been cool it feels a bit rock and roll being with an indie press <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um it does and they do produce beautiful books our listeners can't see your book but the cover is excellent um we're not gonna have any trouble uh giving that one a nice space on our shelf um well let's now dive into your excellent new novel burr and brooke could you please take a moment to set this novel up for our listeners Certainly. It's set in the 90s um, in a fictional town called Burr in Ontario, outside of London, Ontario, which, um, if your listeners don't know, is a a mid-sized Canadian city between Toronto and Detroit. Mm -hmm. Um, And 13-year-old Jane has just lost her father, Henry, suddenly from a heart attack and is reeling from that loss. He was a former wrestler. Um, her mother, Meredith, um, kind of deals with the loss by retreating into wildness. Um, and there's another main character, Ernest, who's a town outcast, who's grieving his own loss of his little sister from many years ago. Mm-hmm. And the novel um, is composed of short chapters from these alternating points of view. And it's also interrupted at times by the voice of the town of Burr. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Brooke, um, as you mentioned, your chapters are each told from a different point of view. And I want to first ask about Meredith, uh, the mother of Jane, the wife of Henry. Um, Can you tell us how books that Meredith found strewn about a library were akin to tarot cards or tea leaves? Yes, um, I think she is a very she's a bit like her daughter kind of dreamlike and she's looking kind of for um how to continue her relationship with um her her dead husband when we meet her but you also see this kind of fanciful nature when she was younger and um 
tarot cards were a big part of of my childhood in the 90s. And I think um, for her as a librarian, she's kind of looking for a little like signs, um, magical signs around her. Um, and so, yeah, she finds these books that are, are out of context that have been misplaced. And she likes to imagine that someone is is giving her little messages or notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, I once I once uh, hosted an event with an author who did tea leaf readings. I thought that was really cool and fascinating. Oh. Tupelo Hassman. Um, well, I now want to ask about Ernest. What happened between Ernest and his sister? And how has this affected his life? And further, um, is this based on truth at all? I ask because I know uh, an author who this happened to. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. um, no, I I made him up. Um, mm -hmm. He is someone who feels responsible for his little sister's death. Um, uh, he And he never gets over it. Um, and many decades later, and it's kind of stunted him um, in all aspects of his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. My friend, the author William T. Volman, this happened with his sister when he was young. He, he talks about it a lot. Um, uh, it can certainly affect someone. The town um, looks at Ernest as kind of an outcast type of character, uh, a stranger. And what Brooke... Um, does it tell us about the human condition that we have these people like Ernest who we kind of paint into a corner as an outcast? Is that fair to people who have gone through things like this character has? Um, no, I think that people can be afraid of difference. And, and I think some of it comes from, you know, a desire to, you know, protect children and, and, um, that's a good desire and urge to have. Um, I do feel that Ernest, you know, is grappling with mental illness. And I, and, um, I think people like him are often not given a voice and people fear them, but they're actually more likely to encounter violence than to commit it themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, so for, for Jane, she, he kind of represents danger and something that she's looking for, but I wanted him to actually be gentle and kind, if odd, um, because I knew I was going to be inhabiting his mind for a while in the book as well. And I, I wanted to have him be a character that I could root for as well and have empathy for. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Brooke. Um, can you talk about your decision to make one of the point? of view characters the town of burr uh, that the novel is named after why have the town have a voice as a pov character sure um when i was looking for a structure uh this is was the first um longer form uh piece of writing that i ever did so I, yeah i was trying to find a structure um and one of my mentors, the wonderful writer, Canadian writer, Catherine Bush, gave me this book, The Thin Place by Catherine Davis, mm -hmm. which has many short chapters from different points of view, like including lichen and beavers and cats. And it was mm -hmm. so cool and um, and playful. And I just decided I wanted to, to try that. And it also, um, like Catherine Davis, like I, I wanted to um show moments of 
profound connection with nature. So it was a way for me to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also thought it would be a good way to ratchet up tension in the plot to have it be kind of like a chorus of, of whispers and suspicions. Um, so it's both that, but it also can be a place where I could have some quieter overlooked moments in nature and also play with time. Um, there's a bird chapter near the end, which actually kind of move, moves for, into the future mm. from the novel. And so, yeah, I guess it was a place for me to be a little more experimental and playful. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. And listeners, by the way, um, if you're not familiar with The Thin Place by Catherine Davis, this is probably one of the most underrated novels of the last 30 years, I would say. And um, I find that writers like yourself tend to be familiar with this novel. It's like a writer's novel. Um, And I I believe it was shortlisted for the Booker or something when it came out. It's been a while. Um, But yeah, check that out, listeners, if you haven't already. Well, listeners, we are going to pause here for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with Brooke Lockyer. The Book and Podcast would like to thank Libro.fm Audiobooks for their sponsorship. Libro.fm has the same audiobooks at the same prices as their major competitor. You know the name. But instead of supporting the Big River, you'll be supporting your favorite neighborhood bookstores. Please head on over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore, explore booksellers in the process. I'm back with Brooke Lockyer, author of Burr, which is published by our friends at Nightwood Editions. Uh, Brooke, now to Jane, uh, another one of our POV characters, Jane, daughter of Meredith and Henry. Um, Jane, thinking about her father, wants to imagine what it is like to be dead And the first place her mind goes is to Michael Jackson in the Thriller video. And my question is, what can we glean about Jane's character and her frame of mind by the fact that she makes this connection between being dead and Michael Jackson in Thriller? Um, well, yeah, that video was something that I, I loved to watch as a kid (laughs) with the zombies and coming to life. Um, and that album was like a big soundtrack for me. I feel like there's like a picture of me as a toddler with not much hair and headphones listening Mm -hmm. to album. Um, I think for her, she's able to make imaginative leaps and I love the image of the moonwalking. Um, It comes back later in the book, this sort of, and I love it as a kind of backwards movement. There's also a lot of moon imagery in the book Mm -hmm. as well. And um, a lot of invocation of, yeah, mo- old movies so with zombie, zombie movies later. That's something that she shares an interest with Ernest. So, yeah, I think it kind of um, hints at all those all those elements in the book and all those images. And music's such a big part of the book as well. So mm. I wanted to have that right away. Yeah, absolutely. I, too, grew up with that record. I'm picturing now the kind of a, the center with, Michael Jackson laying down with a tiger, I believe, or something. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bringing back memories. Well, um, my next question, Brooke, um, inspired by one of your characters, is 
What is a better word for pants, trousers or pantaloons? Oh, wow. I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> I like pantaloons. I think it's a little silly. It's a little piratey. Um, I like the three syllables. Mm -hmm. I'm picturing like a, it's got a voluminous sound to it as well as an image that comes to mind. So yeah, maybe it's time to bring back pantaloons. Yeah, I can get behind <laughs> that for sure. Bring back pantaloons. Um, there's a scene when Meredith's husband, Henry, Jane's father, um, comes back from a doctor's appointment and you write, her husband never said anything was wrong when he came back from a doctor's appointment, but that was part of his wrestler's code, end quote. Uh, my question, Brooke, is what is a wrestler's code? Is this a thing that I should know about? Um, my So my dad was an amateur wrestler. He wrestled mm -hmm. in the world. Um, and I think it's kind of what Jane and Meredith like, imagine. I don't know if there is an actual code, but it's sort of the way my dad lived his life and if he did have a cold like he didn't want to admit it it was very like mind over matter um and very optimistic um and he kind of was the type of person that yeah lifted everyone in the family up but I think it did take a toll on him too and looking back I think he did have some anxiety as well that mm -hmm. um we aren't really aware of mm -hmm. um yeah but I felt like yeah, there were a lot of like things, like upsetting things weren't really, we, we weren't really supposed to talk about at the dinner table. It was always supposed to be this emphasis on positivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Was he uh, like an Olympic wrestler or like a WWE wrestler? <laughs> uh, no, it was like the amateur kind with the mm -hmm. singlets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So that style, he was not the Olympics, but he did wrestle in the mm -hmm. worlds. And I think it yeah, um, he was a great athlete. And I just remember him doing all these push-ups as a kid and like, yeah, lit literally like dangling off his his arms. Um, me and my family are all kind of jocks. I was sort of the black sheep in the family. Mm -hmm. All right. Good to know. Thank you so much, Brooke. Um, there is a scene when Jane is thinking about Ernest uh, where she thinks, quote, there might be something wrong with him there might be something wrong with me, end quote. And I'm wondering, uh, Brooke, how important is this moment of self-realization for Jane, realizing not only might there be something wrong with this man, Ernest, but there might be something wrong with her? Yeah, I think it is very important. Um, I think she's kind of aware, like, now, like, why is she drawn to this this character that the town finds um, unseemly and creepy and dangerous. Mm -hmm. um, I think that she's looking for a way to, she's attracted to that danger. She's looking for a way to reconnect with her dad. She has these images of tunneling underground to be with him again. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Ernest is, has a bit of like an Edgar Allan Poe kind of, vibe to him and it, she projects that he might be the answer to help her kind of connect to this sort of gothic place and he's a lot older than her too so there's sort of a, a Freudian thing going on um my I lost my dad very suddenly I was older than Jane about a decade older but mm -hmm. I, a lot of the feelings are feelings that I had as sort of um leveling 
of emotion and and kind of not really caring what happened to me for a while. Um, it was in a way felt a bit empowering kind of to not suddenly not have fear. Um, but also I felt like sometimes disassociated, like I was looking down on a scene and kind of remarking like, oh, this is strange. I wonder why I'm, why this is happening. So I wanted Jane's experience to um, have those elements of grief that I personally experienced as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Brooke. Um, there's a moment when Meredith removes all of Henry's things from their house and Jane is horrified to arrive home and find that all of the traces of her father have been removed. Uh, what do these actions tell us about Meredith's frame of mind in this moment? And in this type of situation, Brooke, do you think it is ever advisable to remove a dead parent's things from a home without warning the child or children first? I think it's another form of of death and loss and shock for Jane. And it's very violent for her. Mm -hmm. Um, Her mother doesn't do it to hurt her. Her mother is sort of just enveloped in her own grief, which is takes on a kind of fantastical tone. Um, I wanted Meredith to have these sections in the forest um, to be sort of a place for her and the reader to find some solace um, and beauty amidst the overwhelming crushing grief. Um, but there was a there is a cost to that too. Um, I think I, I wanted to inhabit both characters and have both their points of views to show that also the kind of weight of expectation on the mother who is expected to kind of fill the whole of of Henry and be both parents when she's feeling half a parent. And there's a disconnect there between Jane's needs and what the mother can give. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, Brooke, do you consider this book to be a ghost story? I do. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Especially yeah, with the ending. I love ghost stories. Um, yeah, one thing I realized writing this book was I've always been a goth, even if I didn't look like it. Um, and I, my mom kept all my old notebooks as a kid and the stories I read, I think wrote, there was even a character named Jane in some of them and lots of witches. And um, I, I used to dress up as a witch every year for Halloween for like five years and not just on Halloween. <laughs> so um, I was kind of delving into all of that. I think yeah, I've seen it listed as well as horror, and I would say it's more horror adjacent. It's if you're looking for those big scares, um, you might be disappointed. It's a gentler novel, mm-hmm. but it is about how do you continue a relationship with a person you love when they're gone, when they're dead? Mm-hmm. How do you maintain that intimacy? How how being grieving can be so painful, but there can also be a really beautiful intimacy to it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Brooke. Um, Finally, uh, Brooke, I want to ask about flat earthers. Um, There's a moment uh, in your novel when we are addressing Jane's classmate, Crystal Jones, and Jane thinks her parents are flat earthers and she is too perky to make friends. Uh, My question, Brooke, is what is the deal with uh, flat earthers popping up everywhere all of the sudden, not only flat earthers, but people going, 
red in the face making arguments against them about about why the earth is not flat why are we in this place as a species in 2023 and why is this a thing that is even being discussed what does it say about us that we are in this place at this present moment are we back there i didn't even know that we are. <laughs> i think we are yeah <laughs> yeah we have you know we have um, i noticed this in in your um book and in uh on social media i see people arguing about it there are famous celebrities and athletes claiming that they believe the world is flat and making a ruckus in the media it just seems odd that at this moment of time we're we're having this conversation I, yeah that is mm-hmm. that is very fascinating um mm-hmm. yeah i, I want to think about that more i think for me growing up there were kids who didn't believe in evolution and i remember yeah doing a project and they were just kind of started bawling in tears they were so upset and mm-hmm. um so yeah this book deals a lot with different kinds of superstitions and what is real and what is not real and belief and art making and and things that are performances still be meaningful i'm thinking now of like the seances and and the and the um terror readers and all those things um so i think the book is is really interested in kind of reality versus the kind of specter and the ghost and and um trying to discern between the figment and the real yeah absolutely well thank you so much broken thank you for writing this wonderful wonderful novel which i cannot wait to get into our customers hands at explore booksellers listeners i've been speaking with brooke lockyer author of burr which is published by our friends at nightwood editions brooke thank you so much for joining me thank you so much jason Once again, I would like to thank Brooke Lockyer for joining me. Copies of Burr can be purchased at www.explorebooksellers.com with free shipping for members of Explore More Plus. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN, that's B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space to get one free audiobook and support your favorite local independent bookstore process. My name is Jason Jeffries and this has been Booking.